You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Eurosimos. All right, everybody, you're now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast. This is episode 109, the first one where I'm coming to you live from Mexico. Well, not live at the time of this recording. I'm currently in Mexico. I'm Joel Rafidi. I've got my co-host Erasmus in the house, and we have Etienne de la Boetzi squared joining us again, author of the book, Government, the Biggest Scam in History Exposed. Right before we bring Etienne on, we've got some big news. Rise above the herd, round five. Applications are officially open. This is our eight-week transformational program for truth seekers to reclaim their power and truly rise into their potential and become who they were born to be. This is set to be the most powerful program yet. We've added Dr. Sophie Fletcher, PhD, to the coaching staff. There's four additional calls with Sophie to really focus on nervous system healing and integrating all the material and all the shadow debris that's being mobilized through the course content. So now we're addressing psychological, financial, emotional self-reliance, deeper embodiment, and really just to get you firing on all levels. We're pumped about round five. Applications are now open, so you can head to riseaboveTheHerd.co to learn more about the program and to submit an application. And we hope to see you on an application call and get to know you a bit better and discuss how we can help you. Um, anything else on that? <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. Just looking forward to this next run. It's going to be incredible, and uh, I love that you're uh, you're in Mexico now. So we're on a similar time schedule. I know. I'm, I've I've moved into the past. I'm only one hour ahead of your Erasmus now. So <laughs> yeah, things are shifting. Things are changing. We'll try to drop a side chat at some point about my move and about life here, just to give you guys a bit of a deeper insight into all that too. Um, much love to you all. Thank you so much for the support. Without any further ado, here is Etienne. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Here for the Truth podcast. Today, we have the return of Etienne de la Boete Squared. Um, he previously joined us on episode 84, where we looked at the government as the biggest scam in history. He's an organized crime researcher, educator, professional speaker, um, and he's the author of the book, Government, The Biggest Scam in History Exposed. Etienne, welcome back to Here for the Truth. Uh, it is a pleasure to be with you and your audience. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here, man. Um, you made some updates to the book. You've released a new edition. Um, and today we're going to be diving deep into the history of the CIA, the way the CIA attempts to control perception of the masses. So take it away, man. Sure. Well, so to give your audience just like a little bit of an overview of me and, and, uh, and the book, I'm a voluntarist author exposing how intergenerational organized crime uses government to rob and control populations. And a voluntarist is someone that believes that all uh, relations between human beings must be voluntary. Nobody gets rights that other people don't have. Nobody gets to use violence or extortion on, any, on anyone else. And so government has been the biggest scam in history in that, uh, that they're able to, uh, to control the perception of the population, either using mandatory government schools or monopoly media to believe that government is legitimate, that it's desirable, that it's necessary, 
even though there's no ironclad law of the universe that says that you have to have a government. And uh, the good news message of the book is that, you know, we really don't need government. Everything the government does, you know, that is non-redistributory, you know, you can't rob Peter to pay Paul, but, you know, mostly what government does is provide services, whether that service is armed protective services that they call the police, whether it's dispute resolution that they call the courts, whether it is uh, building roads or, uh, you know, uh, handling air traffic control, all of those things could be done better, faster, and cheaper by the free market, by private charities, by mutual aid societies, co-ops, nonprofits. Uh, the world is a self-organizing system. It produces uh, something called spontaneous order, and you just simply don't need government. Now, government doesn't want you to know that. And so the, my book, uh, Government, the Biggest Scam in History, the subtitle is How Intergenerational Organized Crime Runs the Government, the Media, and Academia. And on the academia side, it's the mandatory government school that teaches you that government is legitimate, desirable, and necessary before you're old enough to really evaluate the logic and the morality of that claim. Uh, and then on the monopoly media side, you've got, you know, uh, on the old media side, you've got probably six companies running hundreds and hundreds of subsidiaries to give everybody the illusion that there's all these different information sources in society. And on the new media side, you've got, you know, uh, probably three to four dozen new media, internet media companies, search engines, uh, video sharing sites, Wikipedia, social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Discuss that does comments on uh, thousands of websites, Reddit, Snopes and others that control perception by controlling fact-checking, by control by de-algorithmically uh, uh, censoring certain voices while magnifying other voices, uh, de-platforming uh, the authentic uh, alternative media while amplifying the CIA-controlled media that we're going to get into here when I uh, take your audience through some of the new content in the fifth edition of the book. Uh, but, uh, the, but the name of the game is control of perception and it is the most powerful weapon in the U S arsenal. Can the, can the control perception system make people believe that government is legitimate, that it's desirable and that it's necessary, that the elections aren't rigged, that, uh, the government has your best interest in heart um, and they do that by controlling the information that people, uh, that people receive. Now, uh, I'm going to, you know, kind of share my screen here and hey, Etienne, is there a chance, um, before we dive deep in this, if you give a little background, uh, maybe you are going to on the CIA and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So absolutely. So the uh, the Central Intelligence Agency is kind of the largest of all of the United States intelligence agency. The uh, it came out of something called uh, the OSS in World War II, and uh, essentially it is a, an agency uh, that has uh, powers that no other agency has. So it operates with a black box 
a, a you know a black budget where you have no idea you know how much money it's spending uh you have no idea uh um you know what it's what it's doing uh with the money it's 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 its mission in life is supposedly to protect the United States from foreign uh, adversaries by spying and providing intelligence on what those uh, those adversaries are doing. It's technically not allowed to be uh, operating domestically, but um, it frequently is caught operating domestically, as we will uh, discuss here in a in in uh, in a little bit. You know, most people that are familiar with the CIA, just from what they see on television and the movies, you know, are familiar with Tom Cruise saving the world and Mission Impossible or, you know, other kind of, uh, you know, um, uh, movie uh, treatments of the agency where they're portrayed as, uh, as, you know, heroes constantly saving the planet from terrorists with nuclear weapons but really, the but if you asked a college professor or a scholar of the agency, the uh, it it is more akin to a organized crime ring uh, that has been caught uh, dealing drugs and running drugs, uh, both uh, during the Vietnam War with Air America, uh, more frequently uh, was caught. Um, uh, distributing uh, crack cocaine uh, in the United States. Uh, that that was uh, that that scholarship was Gary Webb, who died mysteriously by shooting himself in the head twice after reporting uh, on agency involvement in uh, in cocaine distribution in the San Jose Mercury News and in a book called uh, Dark Alliance. Um. The uh, the agency has been caught, uh, you know, uh, running a murder uh, murder program in Vietnam called the Phoenix Program, where they were engaged in extrajudicial uh, killings of uh, of South Vietnamese teachers, um, uh, political officials, and others that were suspected of not uh, being loyal to the uh, South. Uh, Vietnamese puppet government installed by the United States, uh, literally just rounding up tens of thousands of people with target lists and search lists and 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 murdering them without any kind of trial or uh, due process whatsoever. Uh, you can uh, find that um, in books, uh, The CIA as Organized Crime by Doug, Douglas Valentine. Um, and most famously, what we're going to talk about today, the agency has been caught controlling perception with something that they call Wisner's Wurlitzer. And I'm going to this is a this is an article uh, that has kind of a you know neat uh, illustration. I did this for at artofliberty.substack.com on uh, what I believed was a CIA operation to steer the modern voluntarist anarchist movement through the Anarchapulco conference and the HBO docuseries, The Anarchists. But in, the, uh, the, uh, in this article, I break down uh, scholarship by Hugh Wilford, who wrote the book, The Mighty Wurlitzer, How the CIA Played America. And the Mighty Wurlitzer, or Wisner's Wurlitzer, was the name uh, given to a propaganda Rolodex that was held 
by the uh, by a gentleman named Frank Wisner, who was the direct uh, deputy director of special projects, I believe was his title uh, at the agency. And he maintained a list of reportedly over 800 contacts in the print news, radio, news networks, and others where he could get uh, multiple organizations singing on from the same tune of music. And so a Wurlitzer is an organ that has many, many pipes. And so if you're playing a Wurlitzer uh, in the media, you're getting a, a number of different organizations to play the exact same tune simultaneously. And that, uh, that capability, uh, you know, is known internally as the mighty Wurlitzer. Now, every once in a while, uh, the agency gets caught. And so there is, you know, there have been reporters that uh, like Udo Ulfkote, U-L-F-K-O-T-T-E, who has come out and said publicly that he either wrote articles specifically for the CIA or put his name on articles where the CIA had given him uh, information. And so there's there's whistleblowers that are confirming this. And most famously, uh, it came out in the church committee hearings in 1976. Uh, these were hearings on CIA criminal activities conducted by the, you know, the U.S. Uh, Senate, where, uh, where hundreds, where it came out in, in open testimony under oath, that the agency had hundreds and hundreds of reporters, editors, and publishers on the CIA play, uh, payroll, uh, confirming kind of the you know the you know books and and other reporting on the issue uh, that the CIA was controlling perception widely, and some of that control perception, I believe, is funding movies like Mission Impossible that make the agency look good. Okay, while covering up their obvious crimes and criminality, and so uh, so what I wanted to kind of take your audience through today is some you know some new uh, some new content in the fifth edition of Government: The Biggest Scam in History that exposes how the CIA uh, you know controls perception widely through controlling uh, the information that people receive through the news. And so, you know, in the book, I've got something that we call one-pagers, and a one-pager is a deep dive into a particular uh, topic or, uh, or you know, concept. And, uh, you know, we, 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 we discuss in the book, you know, this control of perception uh, program, which not only includes the CIA, but includes reporters, editors, and publishers that have been organized in three different uh, organizations, the Bilderberg Group, the Council on Foreign Relations, and the Trilateral Commission. This is a visualization done by Swiss Propaganda Research. The world, this was done in 2017, kind of before the World Economic Forum, uh, you know, emerged from stealth during the COVID, uh, you know, uh, uh, scam and took their their uh, prominent place on the, you know, in controlling the media, but they could be added to this list as well. 
But there's a number of front organizations that that are coordinating the activities of reporters, publishing publishers and editors in ostensibly independent news outlets to get them to play the same tune, whether that tune is 9-11, whether that tune is the Oklahoma City bombing, whether that tune is what happened at Waco, Texas, when the government murdered 80 men, women, and children by burning down a church, whether that tune is the scam of the COVID, uh, we're controlling perception by controlling the outlets that bring you the news and the reporters in those outlets. And so uh, what we got today, what I want to go over today, and by the way, those three organizations, this is another visualization from the book, it's not just the media. So those three organizations, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Bilderberg Group, and the Council on Foreign Relations, have not only, which by the way, Jeffrey Epstein was a member of, have not only maneuvered their, uh, their members into uh, the, you know, the key reporterships, editorships, and publisherships, but this is another visualization. This one is from uh, 2010. It was done by an organization called the Fund to Restore an Educated Electorate. And it shows those same three organizations have their membership in the presidency, the vice presidency, the cabinet, the Council on Economic Advisors, Federal Reserve System, Import Export Bank, the International Monetary Fund, major uh, university and college presidents. Uh, the major uh, money center banks from Citigroup to Bankers Trust to Brown Brothers to, uh, to uh, Chase Manhattan. Um, it goes on, major labor union leaders, major uh, uh, religious leaders have all been organized in this. This is the deep state. Uh, this is, which more adequately is, should be called organized crime, because these are the organizations that are supporting the crooked monetary system and the crooked government to engage in tax farming the population, handing trillions of dollars to private banks and private companies through the TARP, the TOLF, the COVID bailouts. Uh, these are, you can almost follow the money as it recirculates through uh, bailouts and stimulus into political uh, donations, uh, propping up certain politicians and media organizations that are giving the population this artificial view that the whole system is legitimate, that the elections aren't rigged, that we have to have government, that everybody's going along with it. Uh, and so this control of perception uh, system kind of traces back to the crooked monetary system and to the government itself, which is personally benefiting from, you know, both the, the, the trillions of dollars it creates out of thin air and the banking system, even though it's inflationary, even though it's stealing everybody's money and the tax slavery where uh, tax dollars are, you know, stolen from the population and then handed out the back door for weapon systems that we don't need to fight. Uh, engineered wars based on lies and manufactured intelligence. And so, uh, so that's, you know, the kind of, you know, the basics of how the system works. Now, uh, new for, uh, in this new fifth edition, we break down these, you know, we break down who these front groups are, including a brand new one pager on 
the, uh, the, the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab face, face, uh, famously said, you know, what we're very proud of now is how we penetrate the cabinets around the world. And so the same way that the Council on Foreign Relations, you know, this visualization that we just went through shows you how the Council on Foreign Relations has penetrated the United States government uh, through Democrat administrations, Republican administrations going back decades. The World Economic Forum has kind of taken that mantle and is now penetrating governments or, or around the world. The, the example that Klaus Schwab used was the, the cabinets of uh, of, uh, of Canada, where over half the cabinet members were World Economic Forum Young Global Leaders in Argentina, where the same dynamic is going on. Um, but what I wanted to talk about today is the CIA uh, version of it. And we've got new one-pagers discussing, you know, uh, the CIA News Network and the Mighty Wurlitzer. Are you getting your news from the CIA? And in this, I break down the history of Wisner's Rolodex that we've already kind of, you know, already talked about. But I wanted to show, you know, kind of a very, you know, visual representation by my kind of, you know, kind of, you know, back of the napkin calculation. There's about 200 people that get to talk about politics and current events on the major news networks. And when you see this representation of how many of those 200 are either ex-CIA, ex-DIA, ex-National Security uh, Council, some version of the, either the CIA or the other intelligence agencies or FBI, it becomes very, very apparent that this is a statistically anomalous number of CIA officers that are talking about politics. So the ability to control perception is the ability to, you know, part of the ability to control perception widely in the United States is the ability to actually speak on these very large broadcasting networks to audiences of tens of millions of people on a regular basis to control the information that they receive. And if this statistically anomalous number of ex-CIA and ex-intelligence agency officials doesn't have you scratching your head right now, uh, you know, it probably should have. Now, I'll point out just a couple of them, you know, just, you know, just to kind of throw, uh, you know, to, to bring some to the forefront and give you a little bit of background. But one of my favorites is Anderson Pooper from CNN. And a lot of people don't realize that Anderson Pooper, Cooper was a CIA intern for two years before he got his first journalistic assignment for something called Channel One that began flying him around the globe. Uh, but as I break down in the one-pager, uh, his uncle, um, uh, his uncle uh, was an executive officer of the Special Operations Branch of the CIA's predecessor organization, the OSS, under the, under the spy organization founder, Wild, William Wild Ben Denovan. And so, uh, so you've got uh, Anderson Cooper uh, coming from a CIA-connected family and being, you know, the face of CNN for, for you know, for decades and uh, widely controlling perception on the, you know, on the, on the network. Uh, you've got Porter Goss, 
who was a CIA. Uh, oh, sorry, I've, I've popped over to a different one. Sorry, let me go back to this. We'll get to the we'll get to the politicians in a second. But let's just talk about the uh, you know some of the people that are you know giving you your news before we talk about the CIA installing politicians in the United States. And so, uh, so Michael Hayden is the ex NSA uh, and ex CIA director. He's a CNN national security analyst. Uh, Rick Franconia is ex DIA, NSA, CIA, and he is uh, was a uh, 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 he's the current CNN military analyst, former MSNBC and NBC. Uh, Stephen Hall, ex-CIA rep- re- uh, Russian operations, now a uh, CNN national security analyst. Um, Michael Morell, uh, ex-CIA deputy director, uh, who's now a CBS intelligence and national security counterintelligence a- analyst. We already talked about Anderson Pooper. Alex Finley, ex-CIA officer who uh, writes for Slate Magazine and Politico as a contributor John McLaughlin, a former deputy director of the CIA and the national security uh, and a C- and a national security uh, advisor, who's now on CNN. John Brennan, uh, ex CIA director, who you know is a commentator for both MSNBC and NBC. I won't go through everybody, but I think you get get the idea. And yep. even folks that weren't necessarily ex CIA, like uh, JD v- Vance. Who is both a CNN con- contributor and an, and a, uh, a, a, a member of the Senate? Uh, he's his campaign for Senate and his uh, his uh, venture capital fund that supports him were both were funded by CIA contractors, including Peter Thiel uh, and uh, and and others. And so, uh, so even if they didn't work for the agency, we're seeing uh, folks that are being supported and installed as politicians, or having uh, you know uh, uh, you know being supported by folks that are CIA contractors. Now, I can pause there, and if you if you guys want, before we talk about installing politicians, but is there anything you guys want to throw in, or or any anything you think I ought to like additionally cover before I keep rolling? I mean, you're covering a lot, Joel. I don't know if you have anything. The only thing that popped in my mind, like, because I think many people in the truth um, movement, conspiracy movement, always hear about Operation Mockingbird. So yeah. I don't know if that plays a role in any of this as well. So yeah, so so Operation Mockingbird was a CIA uh, uh, was is is rumored. It's it's never actually been proven to be called Operation Mockingbird. And so uh, it's widely known as Operation Mockingbird. But I think what the symbolism is, is, is that if you can control the head ends of the information food chain, the, the newspapers of record, the cable news networks, the, uh, the large you know, radio broadcasting networks, then uh, most regional newspapers and most regional television stations and most regional and local news organizations will simply mockingbird whatever the wire services, whatever the the the, the cable news networks, whatever you know those other organizations say. And then most people that don't understand how the big game is played will simply mockingbird back what you know what the what the local or regional papers say. 
And so I think that's the kind of symbolism they were talking about. But that that network, op- that that system, Operation Mockingbird, was used to uh, was you you know I'll give you some examples because I cover it in the next one pager. Um, controlling perception with crisis actors, mockingbird media, and uh, created legends. And so, uh, so the next new one pager in the fifth edition of Government: The Biggest Scam in History Exposed is an example that happened on 9/11, where uh, you know many people don't understand that three buildings fell that day. And so, so everybody knows about World Trade Center number one and World Trade. Center number two collapsing completely and symmetrically into their own footprints uh, while exhibiting all the hallmarks of a controlled demolition, uh, visible squibs popping out of windows, uh, uh, symmetrical collapse, free fall collapse where the buildings were cr- collapsing at free fall speed. But what a lot of people don't realize is a third building fell that day. And that building was World Trade Center 7. Now, I have some personal knowledge of this. I used to work on Wall Street. I used to build networks for the financial industry, for market data, trading floor technology. And my office was in uh, the World Trade Center complex. And so my building uh, was Three World Financial, the American Express building, and my corporate parent was in Two World Trade. So I used to go back and forth between Two World Trade. And I've actually been in Building 7, uh, because I did business in all of the buildings in the World Trade Center complex. And, uh, and at the time, I had no idea. I didn't think you know, twice about it. The only thing I really remember is the security to get into that building was a lot tighter than it was to get into the World Trade Center or the American Express building or any of the other buildings in the complex, but I didn't really understand why. And so uh, what I came to learn... After being a student of the of the of the of the uh, scam of 9/11, was that that building held the CIA's largest uh, office outside of Langley, Virginia, in the world. Uh, the NSA was in the building. The Secret Service was in the building. That's where they kept the the you know armored limousines and battle wagons that they use to transport um, you know executives to and from the uh, the UN and uh, you know when visiting when when you know uh, government officials were in New York uh, and it was also the uh, widely rumored to be the agency's base of operations for the attacks of 9/11. So about a year before 9-11, uh, they constructed on the 23rd floor something called the New York Emergency Management Center uh, that was designed to handle uh, things like 9-11. It had bomb-proof, blast-proof windows. It had military-grade communications. And it was the furthest building away from the World Trade Center complex. Now, supposedly, it was evacuated. The New York Emergency Management Center evacuated it uh, during 9-11. But testimony from whistleblowers like Barry Jennings, who was actually up in there, you know, you know up in the, the building, he saw coffee cups still steaming, and, and uh, it appeared that it was being used uh, during uh, that day. And so, uh, so that building, many people think, uh, you know, the speculation is that building was also supposed to fall 
Uh, and the plane that crashed in Shanksville, Virginia, before getting to New York was the one that was supposed to take it out. But when it didn't fall with the other two, it fell at 5.20 in the afternoon on the day of 9-11. Now, that's problematic because, uh, you know, large, it had a couple of little, uh, I call them insurance fires burning on a couple of little floors. But in the history of skyscrapers, you've never, ever had fire be able to bring down a modern fireproofed, steel-framed, you know, skyscraper. And so, uh, you know, there was no reason to think that this building was going to fall or that anything was, you know, to happen to this building. But as an example of Mockingbird Media, at 5 o'clock on the day of 9-11, CNN, Fox News, and the BBC began going out early and reporting how and why Building 7 fell before it fell. In the case of the BBC, their reporter, and you can see here in this, this uh, screenshot from a video that you can find uh, you know, on YouTube and you can widely find on others, their reporter, Jane Stanley, is doing a live shot from New York explaining how and why Building 7 fell with Building 7 standing visibly in the skyline behind her. Now, uh, now uh, at 5.20, the building collapses, very similar to World Trade Center 1 and 2, completely and symmetrically into its own footprint, uh, displaying all the hallmarks of a controlled demolition. Visible squibs popping out the side, freefall collapse, symmetrical collapse, and when I say free fall, it's actually defying the laws of physics and collapsing through the path of greatest resistance. Uh, the only way that this is possible is with a controlled dem demolition. In a controlled demolition, you use synchronized explosives to, to uh, simultaneously remove all of the underlying steel infrastructure so that the building essentially slides off. What they do is they they uh, they uh, cut it. They cut all the columns at an angle so that the 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 things just slide off, and that's exactly what we appeared to do. Now, why would they go out early with an exclamation? Why would they have an exclamation teed up? Well, this is you know to your point. This is Mockingbird Media. They know that they're about to do something that's never happened before in human history. They're going to collapse a skyscraper scraper in the middle of Manhattan. People are going to be wondering why, and so they, they're going to tell you why, and most people are going to, when asked the next day what happened to Building 7, they're going to essentially repeat verbatim whatever the television told them happened, and that is an example of Mockingbird Media. Okay. So would you say that from what I'm hearing, that the entire purpose of this organization is to prove the legitimacy the, the legitimacy of government and to maintain that ideology within people's minds that government is is necessary. 
So, I mean, I, I think that that's, that's a, a big part of it. I mean, that, you know, the entire media system. So, so, you know, again, the subtitle of my book is how intergenerational organized crime runs the government, the media and academia and the media and academia together are controlling perception as to the legitimacy, the desirability and the, uh, you know, the uh, necessity of having a government and and are there really to convince the population that that you know the government's on their side the government's trying to help them while government simultaneously tax farms them for half their income in overt taxes covert taxes and inflation yeah. and you know we're talking about the propaganda aspect of of you know controlling the news and the information that people receive but as i break down in the book you know a lot of it is using an ethically manipulative tricks and techniques like product placing the American flag and, and feature films, uh, using a technique called anchoring where they'll build the, you know, the, the audience up to a moment of high positive emotion and show them the American flag uh, so that people, you know, subconsciously begin associating the American flag with, uh, with good feelings and, and exhilaration and, and, and get people to adopt an artificial tribal identity as an American, yeah. you're not as a human being that lives on the planet, but to get you to self-identify as an American as a trick to rob and control you. Um, and so, uh, so that system uh, of controlling perception really is the most powerful weapon in the, you know, the U.S. arsenal. And the same system is being used by other governments around the world to manage and control, you know, their populations as well. It's a playbook. We break it down in detail and government, the biggest scam in history, but the, but the, you know, but, but the overwhelming, you know, the most important part of it is this ability to control perception. Now, yeah. part of it is the legitimacy, desirability, necessity of government, but part of it is just to cover up crimes Crimes that they've been, you know, caught, you know, engaged in, whether it's, you know, waging wars based in, on lies and manufactured intelligence, uh, like was the case with, you know, 9-11. Uh, it's covering up uh, the theft of, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, covering up the theft of trillions of dollars that are missing from the Pentagon. Uh, you know, six billion in physical cash missing in Iraq, $14,000 toilet seats. You know, uh, 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 the Pentagon's Bishops Fund scandal, the, you know, the $400,000 helmets for the F-35. I mean, we're getting robbed to the tune of trillions of dollars. And the, this organized crime system is spending a couple hundred billion a year, you know, to control the information so they get away with it. It's kind of like the marketing budget. And so, you know, uh, I think that, you know, uh, part of it is, you know, is, is, you know, reinforcing statism, but part of it is covering up crimes. There's one more, uh, whenever you're ready, I want to share my screen one last time. And I want to take you through one last uh, one pager. And the one last one pager is something that I call um, CIA Democrats and Republicans are the organized crime intelligence agencies installing politicians in the United States. And so a second ago, we talked about the statistically anomalous percentage of 
uh, you know, folks that get to talk about politics and current events on the networks and the wire services as being part of, uh, you know, uh, you know, being either ex-CIA, current CIA, et cetera. Um, now I want to talk about the statistically anomalous number of uh, CIA officers that are being installed as politicians in the United States. And so uh, the CIA has an estimated workforce of about 21,000 people, which gives you roughly, back in the napkin calculation, about 150,000 living employees or ex-employees. So in a nation of 330 million people, the statistical distribution of ex-CIA employees should be uh, zero to one. Um, again, you know, through the magic of revelation of the method and being able to see how many uh, uh, how many uh, CIA officers or you know folks in the FBI or related intelligence agencies or 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 military intelligence things like that, um, we've got a a a red level statistically anomalous number of ex-CIA folks in the uh, in the uh, intelligence or in the in the politicians. And I'm just going to read to you uh, from uh, from the uh, the one pager in the book. Um, this is some this is some uh, research from. Uh, the uh, World Socialist website, which actually does some fairly good uh, reporting on uh, criminality in the government. And in the course of the 2018 elections, a large group of former military intelligence operatives entered capitalist politics as candidates seeking the Democratic Party nomination in 50 congressional seats. Nearly half the seats where the Democrats were targeting Republican incumbents or open seats created by Republican retirements. Um, 30 of these candidates won primary contests and became the Democratic candidates in the November 2018 election, and 11 of them won the general election, more than one quarter of the 40 previously Republican-held seats captured by the Democrats, or they took control, as they took control of the House of Representatives. In 2020, the Intervention of the CIA Democrats continued on what was arguably an equally significant scale. Besides the re-election campaigns of the 11 representatives who won seats in the House in 2018, uh, half a dozen of those who lost 2018 races are running again in uh, 2020. Some of these are running for House seats, while others have been promoted by the Democratic Party leadership and are running for the U.S. Senate, an entirely new crop of military intelligence operatives is being brought forth and running for Republican seats targeted by the Democratic leadership as possible takeovers, uh, others in seats not currently considered uh, uh, competitive. And so, again, if you think about who gets to talk about politics on TV, it's not just the, P the CIA folks and the media. It's the candidates themselves. They're frequently featured talking about it. So if you want to control perception, you control the people that want to talk, that get to talk about politics and current events, and that includes uh, the media as well. Now, some of those that are the best known, Porter Goss, who served as a Republican, Bob Barr, who served as a, a, a Republican. But in the new crop, we've got Elisa Slotkin, um, 
Michigan's 8th District, Will Hurd, U.S. Rep from Texas 23rd, Abigail Spaniger, CIA officer, now U.S. Rep for Virginia's 7th uh, Congressional District, Deb McGrath, CIA officer, candidate uh, uh, for U.S. Representative, Wisconsin's 3rd, Matt Costelli, who lost his race but was running for U.S. Rep in uh, New York's 21st District. I could go on and on again. And we've got J.D. Vance, uh, who was who also both a uh, commentator and uh, whose candidate was funded by CIA contractor Peter Thiel to the tune of $10 million, while his VC fund has been funded by CIA contractors, including Eric Schmidt, uh, Jeff Bezos, and Peter Thiel, in addition to David Haverstam of the Carlisle Group, um, Michael Milken, Howard Schultz, and members of the Koch, Pritzker, and Walton families. And so we've got, you know, just, it's, it's just, it's amazing how many people are controlling, you know, what you see. And uh, a lot of what you see, hold on a second, let me just, this, not only uh, includes, uh, not only includes, uh, you know, what gets talked about on social media, but uh, I'm sharing an article right now from Mint Press News, where Mint Press News, uh, you know, did an article entitled Meet the CIA Agents Deciding Facebook's Content Policy. And so the folks that have been moderating information on Facebook, uh, there's over a dozen of them that are former CIA. So they're con- so the CIA is controlling what gets sh- shared on the largest face uh, on the largest uh, social media platform in the world. They decide who gets promoted, who gets shadow banned, who gets deplatformed, uh, and so we're talking about you know television, the cable news news networks. We're talking about social media, and it's not just at Facebook. Here's another Mint uh, Press article entitled The Federal Bureau of Tweets. Uh, Twitter is hiring an alarming number of FBI agents. And so it's the CIA at Facebook. It's the FBI uh, at at Twitter. And a lot of these, uh, you know, these ex-FBI agents, you know, were called out and in the, uh, you know, not just by Mint Press News, but by uh, Elon Musk and Matt Taibbi, uh, you know, uh, reporting uh, on on this in the, you know, the recent revelations. And so uh, we've got the government through the intelligence agencies and the KGB, I mean, the FBI, um, reporting and controlling the information that, uh, that the population receives by controlling the information that they uh, receive, either promoting certain information or, uh, or hiding that information. And so, uh, so uh, a lot of good reporting there. Uh, but then, I mean, that's, that's essentially the thesis, and then I'll kind of open it up to discussion, but uh, it looks like we've got an organized crime government, and they're controlling the information that people receive so that they can be tax-farmed and robbed. Well, that's yeah. what it comes down to. Everything that you've talked about and even on our previous episode, it pretty much comes down to they take the population's money in order to brainwash them <laughs> to some degree. 
Right. So, yeah. So, like, obviously, we talk about um, the media infiltration of the CIA. Um, who would you say are some of the right-wing pundits these days who yeah. might be coming from that branch? Uh, so there's speculation on Tucker Carlson. Uh, you know, I like uh, uh, Tucker Carlson does a lot of good work. Um, but, you know, uh, rat poison is 99% good food. Otherwise, the rats wouldn't consume it. And so, like, I feel that Tucker Carlson uh, will, you know, expose a lot of, uh, you know, the, uh, the left's criminality and government criminality. But at the same time, you know, he's got he's using statism. He's got the, you know, the religious iconography of the Capitol that looks like the Vatican for a reason behind him. He's wearing his little American flag pin. You know, he's gatekeeping the fact that government is illegitimate on its face. You can never have a legitimate government. He's gatekeeping the fact that the government is openly criminal. Like, like we're, we're mm -hmm. talking about, you know, we're handing trillions of dollars to private banks, private companies through the bailouts and the stimulus. Uh, you know, uh, uh, there's, there's only so far he'll take you. But I would say that Tucker Carlson is probably the number one, uh, you know, suspect in controlling perception from the right. Yeah, it's curious. What do you, what do you think about the story that was ran the other month when he tried to out the CIA on the death of JFK? So 99% of rat poison is good yeah. food. And so, uh, you know, creating the legend, you've got to create the legend and you've got to, you know, for, for people to continue to invest you know, their time and attention in him, you've got to throw the, you know, you've got to throw the population a bone every once in a while. And so when something like that comes out and, you know, and it has to be covered, you know, again, you know, he'll report on what's already out there, what's already known, mm -hmm. but, you know, he's going to stop and not tell you, he's not going to tell you the government is illegitimate on its face. He's not going to tell you that it's impossible logically or morally to have a legitimate government. He's not going to tell you that government is a technique for robbing and controlling populations. He's not going to tell you that you're being tax farmed. He's not going to tell you, you know, a great many things. And I think that's where the gatekeeping comes in. A gatekeeper is some is somebody that, you know, will will give you what's already out there uh, yep. to to make sure that you get it from him and not somebody else that also would have told you everything that I'm exposing in my work as an example. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just contemplating some of the larger voices in the arena. So like if I was to mention names like Alex Jones, Joe Rogan, what would you say? So uh, Alex Jones openly talks about, you know, he's like, I've got, you know, quotes in, in the book where Alex Jones openly talks about, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, when he goes to family reunions, half the people in the room are ex-CIA. And so he is admittedly connected to the CIA. Mm -hmm. And he's also using the exact same techniques of, uh, of tax farming, uh, or he's using the exact same techniques of statism. So uh, Alex Jones almost has the exact same religious, statist religious iconography in his, on his television set as that Tucker Carlson and Anderson Pooper have on their screens as well. It's the, 
you know, the religious iconography of the Capitol and the flag and the, you know, the elections are legitimate. You know, uh, Alex Jones is telling you to vote harder for Trump as, as if Trump was not in on it, you know, 100%, was not 100% in on the COVID, 100% in on the vaccines, 100% in on tax farming, 100% in on, you know, confiscatory tax rates for the American people. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, uh, he appears and and he gatekeeps on, you know, Israel's role in 9-11 and other you know, uh, you know, kind of obvious uh, accounts of, of gatekeeping. Um, uh, Joe Rogan will find out. I just sent him a copy of my book, and uh, we'll see if uh, we'll see if he is is up for exposing the biggest scam in history, or we'll see if he's going to uh, to, to gatekeep that information from the population as well. And so we'll put him to the test here shortly. Yeah. So it seems that there's been a huge movement born since 2020 in the world of truth seekers and, you know, the whole freedom movement of patriots. So what, what's your thoughts on patriotism? So, uh, like I said, so you can never have a legitimate government. And so the, as we reveal in the book, the government is selling the population on the legitimacy, the necessity, and the desirability of having government by slipping them to slipping it to the public as a religion. Now they don't call it a religion, but they're using all the tools and tricks of an unethically uh, manipulative religion or a cult to build that that patriotism within the human heart. And so you know, you're, you're going to go to the church school. The flag is the artificially indoctrinated religious symbol. The teacher is the priest. The Constitution and the Bill of Rights are the holy documents. They're going to take you to Mecca, Washington, D.C., and kind of middle school, where they're going to take you into the cathedral of the Capitol that looks like the Vatican for a reason. They're going to take you into the temples they're going to show you the deities of Lincoln and Jefferson, and it's going to be very, very hushed and reverent. You're going to do the common prayer of the Pledge of Allegiance. You're going to sing the hymns of the Star Spangled Banner. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the House of Representatives and the Senate are kind of the church leadership. Judges wear robes, vestments, and it produces a taxpayer that's willing to semi-voluntarily tithe and then there's a kind of another, you know, more, uh, more uh, focused group of indoctrination for what are called order followers. And so, the, so uh, in addition to the government school program, you know, we've got the Cub Scouts, the Weeblos, the Boy Scouts, the JROTC, the ROTC, and police and military training, where we're going to uh, give kids awards. We're going to give them Cub Scout Adventure Loops, Boy Scout merit badges for regurgitating back how to be a citizen, how to love the flag, caress the flag, how to do flag worship ceremonies where everyone is saluting the flag. Uh, we're going to uh, put them in the uniform, the single form conformity. We're going to compact them into kind of like a group dynamic. We're going to uh, uh, segment them away from the rest of the population uh, in these explore programs where we're going to take them on ride-alongs with the police and we're going to produce, uh, you know, a kind of classic shave-headed cult member that's willing either to go abroad and murder whoever they're told for the 
for the religion in crusades, or we're going to produce a shave-headed police officer that's willing to use violence on overwhelmingly peaceful people to enforce the commandments, the laws of the religion on their friends and their neighbors and raise revenue on their friends and their neighbors, uh, you know, uh, to pay for political promises. And so that's really the, you know, kind of the the strategy of, of, you know, how you slave up people to this indoctrinated idea of having a government and having a, you know, a ruling class and the, and people that are quote unquote patriotic uh, you know, they're, uh, they're, some of them are, 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 you know, well-intentioned and well-meaning, but the idea that the constitution, you know, most, most quote unquote patriots want to get back to the constitution, not realizing it's the constitution, uh, that has failed them and has, uh, has essentially, um, trapped them in this tax slavery and government control system. The Constitution did not operate as advertised. It did not limit government in any way, shape, or form. So it it is absolutely positively failed to limit government in any way, shape, or form. And it hasn't been able to even protect the basic, the basic natural law, human rights outlawed, outlined in the Bill of Rights. The government routinely, you know, uh, breaks almost every single, you know, right in the Bill of Rights. If you think that you have the right, you know, not to be searched, uh, you know, you know, go to an airport and you're going to get searched whether you want it or not, no matter if the Bill of Rights agrees or not. Uh, and so, uh, so the Bill of Rights didn't do what it didn't do what it's intended, but also, I mean, the fact that, uh, the idea of the constitution is kind of ridiculous on its face. Mm-hmm. The idea that you know, three or four dozen slave owners, lawyers, and politicians can go into a room on a nation of three million people. There are about three million people living on the continent at the time that the Constitution was ratified and adopted and 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 uh, and outlined, and they can write down on a fancy piece of paper that they alone get to make up rules for everybody and steal the wealth of others and then have their newspapers proclaim it valid and then hold some elections where a couple of thousand people are, you know, are tricked into, uh, you know, into voting and participating and then say, oh, well, now we get to rule all three million people on this continent. It's a ridiculous idea. Uh, It would be, you know, if, if you were told it as an adult, you would probably laugh at it. But because people were fed it as a child before they're old enough to really evaluate the logic and the morality of that entire idea or that entirely that entire claim, uh, you know, they've been kind of trapped in an idea that was a secondhand idea that was given to them by the government teacher teaching out of a government textbook in a government school, and they've just accepted it as valid and never ever you know contemplated the reality of that idea maybe until this very moment listening to my words right now is that really logical does that make sense is that moral and if you evaluate it on that on those grounds as an adult you realize hey we've been tricked and that is the the title of my book government has been the biggest scam in all of history it is the scam that enables the scam of the covid 
It's the scam that enables the scam of 9-11. It is the thing that allows the, uh, the government to tax farm the population for half their money in covert taxes, overt taxes, and inflation. And uh, I want to be the guy that exposes it by making it uh, widely understandable and an easy-to-read kind of picture book. Uh, yeah. that exposes uh, the little tools and techniques that are used to create these tax slaves. Yeah. Now, and you do a very good job at it. There's no doubt about that. Um, so I know you're a father, for example. How do you explain these ideas or how would you, I guess, encourage others to help explain these ideas to children to help bring balance to the perception and the control of perception that's out there in the media? So I'll tell you this. So uh, uh, I wrote the book for my kids because my my kids were in the government school system and I was watching the government school system run game on my kids. Yeah. And so, uh, I, you know, unfortunately, I, I divorced and, and, and uh, my ex-wife had custody of our children and she kept them in the government school system where I was literally watching them run game. So the school system was using unethically manipulative techniques of obedience and control on my kids. Some of the most flagrant ones were the red, yellow, green troublemaker boards. And if you've ever seen this in American school, you know, many, 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 maybe even the majority of American classrooms and kind of primary and secondary education have a little board that has a green uh, section, a yellow section, and a red section. And if you and if if one of the students talks or doesn't toe the line, they move. They publicly shame the child by moving his name from uh, the green section of the board to the yellow section of the board. And then if he talks again, well, then he goes into the red section of the board. And then typically they're maneuvered to the uh, to the bad table in the lunchroom where they're forced again public shaming, forced to eat. Uh, uh, you know, by themselves. Um, sometimes the schools use corporal punishment and they'll beat children that aren't, you know, towing the government line and sticking by the government uh, things. They have the kids, you know, walk in single file lines where they're under the control of the teacher at all, you know, at, at all times in a kind of regimented uh, uh, system that's practiced in U.S. Pr- prisons as well. Uh, you can't go to the bathroom without raising your hand. You can't go to the, you know, you can't leave the school at all without having to have your parents jump through all these different, you know, hoops. So, you know, there's an obedience component to the school system. Another another little trick they were using on my kids was, uh, was um, uh, collective punishment. So in the school lunchroom on the table, in his in their uh, in the lunchroom, there was a, n- a little flip chart that had green, yellow, and red uh, red um, uh, cards, and everybody was in green. If one kid talked, uh, a monitor would walk over and flip it to yellow, and if that kid talked again, they'd walk over and flip it to red, and they would punish all of the kids at the table. That's called collective punishment, and it's illegal under the Geneva Convention of Warfare. You know, you can't public, you know, you can't uh, punish the entire barracks if one, you know, uh, prisoner tries to escape. Uh, that's illegal, but you can do it in the government school system. And so, uh, so what I begin, so the 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 book was really written for my kids to explain them how the 
organized crime system works so that they wouldn't be chumped by, you know, by the system into going along with something that's against their interests. Yeah. So I guess my question is, what kind of structure and order would you say is good structure and order? So that's really the good news message of the book is, is again, the world is a self-organizing system. It produces spontaneous order. And everything that the government does, except redistribution, which is immoral, uh, would be better done, better, faster, cheaper by the free market, by mutual aid societies, by co-ops, by nonprofits, by real charities. You know, uh, again, you know, you can have armed protective services that the government calls the police, but it would be provided by Garda or ADT or West Tech, companies that provide armed protective services today. But when that uh, when that uh, that protector arrives on the scene, he doesn't have rights that you don't have. Uh, you have the right to protect your life, liberty, and property, so you can delegate that right to a security company to exercise on your behalf. That's logical. That's moral. That makes sense. You don't have the right to decide, you know, what habits your neighbor has whether they should be gambling or smoking this particular plant or that particular plant. So you can't, so the, so, you know, the company wouldn't be able to arrest people for things that aren't crimes. Now that all makes sense. That's logical and moral. Uh, You can have dispute resolution that they call the courts that we call arbitration. Uh, You could have prisons you could have other ways of dealing with things that the government does. You know, I gave air traffic control as an example. Uh, uh, Canada privatized their air traffic control system over a decade ago, and planes are not falling out of the sky in Canada. And so, uh, you know, a lot of people have never been exposed to these ideas because. There's an organized crime system that has been controlling the information they receive through journalists at uh, the news networks, through content moderators at Facebook and Twitter to hide the fact from the public that the world is a self-organizing system. It produces spontaneous order and everything the government does would be and could be done by the free market and it would it would be. Uh, and everybody would be dramatically wealthier. One of the one of the ways that the one of the the kind of the the real pillars of the government's power is the monetary system, and they're keeping the population artificially poor by allowing the banks to steal money, the value out of everybody's money, which is known as inflation. And the way the scam works is. Uh, They passed a law called the Federal Reserve Act in 1913 that makes something that should be illegal, uh, uh, now quote-unquote legal, which is the ability for banks to create money out of thin air using something called fractional reserve banking. And the short version of fractional reserve banking is when you go to a bank to get a, a loan, a mortgage, or a car loan, they're not loaning you depositor money. They just tickle the ivories and credit your account with digital dollars. Uh, and you spend the rest of your life paying off a mortgage that was that was literally created out of thin air, and those exorbitant profits allow them to buy up the media and buy up uh, the uh, uh, the 
news networks and control perception widely by providing certain companies like Facebook and Twitter unlimited funds and a head start over their competition, uh, um, uh, even though that fractional reserve banking system is inflationary and stealing the value out of everybody else's money. And so the analogy I like to use is if I have a dollar and you, dear uh, viewer or listener, have a dollar and we each have the only $2 in the world, I own 50% of the world's wealth and you own 50% of the world's wealth, and a bank comes along and creates two additional dollars using fractional reserve banking, or the government comes along, the Fed and the Treasury come along and create two additional dollars through quantitative easing or bailouts or stimulus, well, now all of a sudden, I've been reduced to 25% of the world's wealth. You've been reduced to 25% of the world's wealth, and the bank has stolen 50% of the world's wealth. And so that's the dynamic that's going on, but you're not going to hear about it on the CIA media. You're not going to hear about it on uh, CIA Facebook or CIA Twitter because they're controlling the information that you receive so you can be tax farmed, robbed, and controlled. Mm. Yeah, speaking, of, um, sorry, speaking of Twitter, obviously there was a lot of um, you know, excitement or news around even Elon taking over. Like what do you what do you think the, his role the, the, the Twitter files being released, et cetera? Yeah, like what what do you think his role is in this whole entire kind of plan? So I think uh, you know, like I want to be careful as to you know what I can prove and what I can't. And so yeah. you know, everything that we've talked about is kind of, you know, you know, you can go and you can verify all of that, you know, that we've discussed. So now we're getting into the area of speculation. And uh, I believe that uh, Elon Musk is DARPA's boy to take technologies that the, that the uh, military and the intelligence agencies developed on the taxpayer nickel and privatize the profits. Uh, uh, and, and so I think that whether it's Tesla, I think that that was the military's uh, research and investment into battery technology and electronic, you know, vehicles for warfare. I think that Starlink is a military network, 100%, a, a military satellite network that they're trying to move, you know, people onto. Neuralink is just plain creepy ass transhumanism. Uh, again, uh, you know, uh, 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 military, uh, most likely military origins. The Boring Company. Who has been digging tunnels under the planet before the boring tunnel came along? The military to, con to conduct their deep underground military bases. Uh, it goes on and on and on. And so, uh, so Twitter, I believe, is their uh, ability to control perception widely. It is one of the most successful ones. And I think that Elon Musk by buying Twitter is trying to kind of revitalize the brand, bring, bring, bring people back to the, the, to the platform and give the platform a shred of credibility. But they're still censoring things on Twitter. They're still going like, like, so they've made these revelations where it appears that they've cleaned house, but, uh, but they're still 100% censoring things on Twitter and so, uh, so I think that that's their, uh, you know, again, speculation, but I think that 
that, uh, that Elon Musk has been brought in uh, to try and uh, revitalize the brand, get people back on the, the, uh, on the platform and keep going with what has arguably been one of the greatest control perception tools that they have, the ability to you know, shadow ban authentic voices on the platform, the ability to amplify certain voices over other voices, the ability to, uh, you know, to de-index and de-platform people that are, uh, you know, that are, that are reporting things that they don't want to be reported on. And so they don't want to lose that. They want to hold on to that. And I think that that's what Elon Musk is doing by pretending to clear, to clean house at Twitter. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Um, can you speak on at all the CIA's involvement abroad with like the destabilization of other countries, the fabrication of um, riots to overthrow, you know, democratically, apparently democratically elected um, prime ministers and presidents, et cetera? Yeah, yeah. So I cover it a little bit in the book and I'll just kind of read, but, uh, you know, read from, you know, the, the article CIA Democrats and Republicans. But, uh, you know, the, they were involved in obvious criminal activity, including overthrowing democratically elected governments in Iran, 1953, Guatemala, 1954, Congo, 1960, the Dominican Republic in 1961, South Vietnam in 1963, Brazil in 1964, Chile in 1973. Uh, those are the ones that are kind of publicly not acknowledged, uh, or their participation has come out through FOIA requests or admissions from agency officials and others. Uh, they appear to be involved in the color revolutions, and so whether that was the color revolution that installed the, you know, the current government in Ukraine, whether it was, you know, Georgia, whether it was Egypt, whether it was, you know, some of these more recent color revolutions, that seems to be the CIA, CIA operating with George Soros and the Open Society Foundation working in, uh, you know, kind of harmony to create the and foment the conditions to uh, to actively be able to topple certain regimes, install uh, you know replacements, and so that appears to be the CIA's playbook. Uh, you know that hasn't come out to the same degree as the you know kind of pre nineteen eighties. Uh, you know, involvement in toppling governments, but I believe that they're behind the uh, the co- the color revolutions of the modern era as well. Yeah. I mean, even just Iraq, right? Uh, Iraq is an example as well, and Af- you know, in, in Afghanistan, um, you know, uh, Barack Obama famously, uh, uh, it's been reported, uh, told uh, CIA Director Leon Panetta that the CIA would get everything that it wanted in Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, I break down in the book, uh, the case for Obama being, you know, he came from an agency, uh, connected family and he was a, uh, you know, uh, 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 there's a lot of evidence that he was the same way they're installing politicians in the U S house and Congress. It appears that they installed Obama in the presidency and uh, he is something known in agency parlance as a created legend, where he was given certain awards, degrees, 
emoluments uh, to create the legend of, you know, he was made the editor of the Harvard Law Review without writing a single, you know, uh, a single uh, article for the Harvard Law Review. He was made the, uh, you know, he was given, um, he was the feature of uh, profiles in the New York Times and Vanity Fair before he was even out of school. And so, you know, I think he, he is an example, another example of the U.S. installing politicians. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you could, you could almost argue that the CIA is running the exact same playbook that they use on other countries here in the United States yep. to install specific politicians, whether in the House of Representatives or in, uh, you know, the presidency, you know, there we're we're kind of having, uh, you know, our reality created for us by the CIA that's reinforcing that through control of the media and the information that we receive. Yes, like the argument can be made that their involvement abroad is to maintain power themselves, right? But what would be the argument even though I can see it's definitely happening for them to destabilize their own home territory to such a degree. I mean, it's organized crime. So yeah. when you, you know, like, like people talk about the deep state, uh, you know, um, I don't like using the word deep state or new world order. Uh, I think those are purposefully unhelpful and descriptive terms. Well, they were handed we're to us. About, those terms. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about, we're talking about intergenerational organized crime. that's using the technique of government to rob and control populations so that they can personally enrich themselves. And you can follow the money. You can follow the money, you know, who, who's getting trillions of dollars in, in uh, 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 bailouts and stimulus. Those funds are then being, you know, recirculated to the specific politicians that are voting for the bailouts and the stimulus. Uh, you know, um, we're, we're getting robbed to the tune of, of trillions and trillions of dollars and it's being, you know, covered up by a monopoly media system that has been bought up and whose members are being controlled through the CIA, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Bilderberg Group, the Trilateral Commission, and the World Economic Forum, who are lying to the population on the legitimacy and desirability of government, the legitimacy of government, and hiding the fact that the government is now engaged in openly criminal openly, openly criminal acts, uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a way that perpetuates the system and the journalists own, you know, half a million dollar to $10 million a year salaries, you know, they're getting a cut of the proceeds to hide that fact from the American people and the global population. Yeah. And it's just a testament to the actual success of the operation to control perception when these facts are so openly discoverable now and yet you barely you barely feel the effects of of an eye being blinked towards it yeah 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 it's yeah. how far back do you think this has been going on obviously technology has brought the warfare to a whole new level but you know a lot of people talk about ancient royal families and this going back thousands of years you know this intergenerational like crime like what are your thoughts on that I think it goes back to royalty and monarchy. Uh, and I look at royalty and monarchy as the original intergenerational organized crime. You're going to give us your money and then we're going to, uh, you know, or we're going to hurt you. And so monarchy built up 
you know, used control of information and control of education to convince people that monarchy was legitimate. It's kind of sad and pathetic to watch the, you know, uh, a considerable amount of the British people today sing God Save the Queen and, 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 you know, go along with something that is absolutely not in their interest as they get tax farmed while the you know, the monarchy, you know, you know, luxuriates in, uh, you know, in, in the wealth they've stolen from the people. But I think that once monarchy began to fall out of fashion, that the, that the population as a whole began, you know, questioning the divine right of kings, I think monarchy and a degree, the papacy and the, you know, the Roman Catholic Church came up with government, democracy to trick the population into thinking that they have a say in the in, in having a ruling class and they have a say in how the government operates, but because it's organized crime in the background, there you're always going to be they're always going to be able to control the outcome of the elections. They have a disparity in campaign funds, uh, they have control of the press, control of perception of the information that you receive about the candidates. They're willing to use blackmail, bribery political assassination and other, you know, unethically manipulative or outright criminal techniques to control the outcome of the elections. And so the population is chumped and duped into going along with something that is not in their interest. And they're having the peaceful, uh, logical alternative of volunteerism hidden by the same folks that are, uh, you know, every channel is telling you that it's legitimate, but they're never, ever giving you the alternative of the free market, of mutual aid societies, of, of that, that you can get every single thing you want from the government besides uh, uh, redistribution, and, it would, and you would be dramatically wealthier. The population would be dramatically, dramatically wealthier and you'd have more than enough money to take care of the poor, the needy, and the disadvantaged if government wasn't stealing half of your income in overt taxes, covert taxes, and inflation. Well said. <laughs> um, well said. Yeah. I know in our previous episodes together, um, you spoke about the end, the, your perceived infiltration of Anacapulco and anarchist events of the like. Um, I guess at the most recent event, we've had a number of our former podcast guests appear there, be present, etc. I'm just wondering if your tune around that has changed at all, or you're still on the same tip. No, no, I think so. So, so part of the CIA playbook that was broken down in uh, in Hugh Wilford's book. Um, uh, oh, what's the name of his book? Uh, Mighty Wurlitzer, how the CIA played America. It's not just the news organizations that the CIA infiltrates. The CIA infiltrates um, political organizations, political movements. Um, uh, you know, and so I, so you know, I have done a multi-part investigative series on Anarchapulco and HBO's uh, docu series, The Anarchists breaking down the evidence that Anarchapulco was designed to steer and control the modern voluntarist anarchist and crypto-anarchist movements and to maneuver them into drugs. That's another 
uh, again, uh, well-known and well-documented CIA tactic. Uh, the best book and documentary are, are, is, a, is a book called uh, Drugs as Weapons Against Us. Uh, you know, how the CIA targeted SDS, the Panthers, Tupac, John Lennon, and others either to, uh, to deal drugs into political movements to blunt their effectiveness, to arrest political uh, movement leaders uh, for drugs, um, to brain damage with LSD, uh, you know, uh, uh, political, you know, the, you know, political uh, members of, of various political movements. And that was the exact same thing that you saw going on in Narcopolco. They were elevating certain voices while minimizing others. At the same time, they were dealing drugs into the conference. And, you know, what was kind of a textbook, uh, you know, textbook, um, uh, example of drugs as weapons used against us. You can find all of that scholarship and the research behind those articles at artofliberty.substack.com. And then the documentary, The Anarchists, was used to smear the movement as drug users and riffraff and scumbags, uh, you know, in an, in an effort to tar the only political movement that is fair for everybody. Nobody gets the ring of power because there's not a ring of power. That's logical. That's moral. That makes sense. That would, that would dramatically uh, uh, make everyone wealthier. That would free up the free market. That's something that most people could get behind because it is the only political ism that's fair for everybody. Every other politicalism, whether it's socialism, whether it's communism, whether it's constitutional republicanism, all of those isms have a ruling class that has rights that you don't, that gets to use violence and extortion on you, that gets to redistribute your income. Voluntarism is the only one that's fair for everybody. And so they're trying to stall that. They're trying to make that look bad. And, uh, and I think that Anarchopolco and Anarchist was the, uh, was them kind of getting caught at it. And you can, you can read all, all of my analysis and research at artofliberty.substack.com on Anarchopolco and HBO's The Anarchists. Awesome, man. Uh, Etienne, thank you so much for your time. Once again, it's such a wealth of knowledge that you bring here and share with us. Um, how would you like to close this for our audience? Uh, I just like to say, I think we're going to win this in the end. There's just no way of hiding the illegitimacy and the criminality of government in the information age. More and more people are waking up to the fact that government has been the biggest scam in history. It's a revolution that's only going in one direction. Uh, yep. Very few people, once they figure out how they've been chumped and tricked, go back to supporting the people that chump them or trick them. So it's a revolution that's only going in one direction. I think the future is going to be amazing. I think that once we get the monkey of government off of our backs and, and once we're free to spend our money as we see fit and support the charities and the nonprofits that are delivering real benefit in our communities versus being wasted by Washington, D.C., that we're going to see uh, you know, a very, very bright and happy future uh, once we expose the biggest scam in history. Perfect ending, Etienne.
Yeah, thank you so much again for coming on. Really appreciate it. And for anyone watching this, you know, we had a first episode. We go a little deeper into voluntarism as well. So go check that out if you haven't. And um, yeah, thank you, man. Thank you guys for doing what you do. It is, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And, uh, and I look forward to uh, uh, doing it again sometime in the future. Absolutely. Sounds good, man. All the best to you. And everyone, thanks for listening. See you next time. What a wealth of knowledge. So awesome to have Etienne join us once again. You know, the whole essence of exiting the matrix of moving beyond the scam of government, as Etienne so puts it, is developing true self-reliance, developing self-autonomy, developing the inner pillars of freedom, liberty, self-esteem. Um, that's, that's true voluntarism in my opinion. And this is part of the key reason why we created our program, Rise Above the Herd, specifically for truth seekers to rise into their full individual power without compromising authenticity, without compromising integrity, and truly creating the lives um, uh, of their highest potential and of their highest calling and walking their authentic path. So if you're keen to learn more about our signature eight-week program, Rise Above the Herd, Round 5 has literally just launched again. It's limited to 12 spots. All previous four rounds have sold out. This one will sell out again. So get an application in and we'll cons we can see if we're a good fit to work together. Um, just again, guys, thanks so much for the support. We can't tell you how much we appreciate the fact that we get to do this for a living. It's because of you guys. So thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to the next episode. Smoke and mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. Waking up in a time, they think you're in a delusion. Somebody set the alarms, cause they be too busy snoozing. I'm in a DeLorean. Fast forward in evolution to a place where we can shed our confusions. Yeah, 450 BC, I'm sharing tea with confusion.